I'm Ben. I'm Tom. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, one singular TV show, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about the 2019 <laughs> film Klaus. This will contain spoilers. And I'm Ben. <laughs> uh, I, I assume that means that we're back, so uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to the very special Christmas episode oh, ho, ho. of Entertainment of Excellence. Um, we decided to get in a Christmassy mood, watch, watch a Christmas film. Merry Christmas. This was highly recommended from Ollie himself. Yeah. I know, and... Oh, I'm uh, the expert on this film, yeah. so I'm going to have some really hot <laughs> takes. Were you on the movie set of this animated film? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were? Wow. Were you, That's were you, impressive. Were you the makeup artist? No, I was the gaffer, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, right, the gaffer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... So the the the, 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 the basic plot is just first uh, stick around to oh. the end if you want a Christmas surprise. <laughs> oh, of course, yes. Yeah, the, the Christmas surprise. Um, could say it's a bit so of a bop. You could. could. So this um, <laughs> the plot. Okay, the plot of this film follows like a postman. Well, he's been forced to be a postman by his rich dad, who's like, if you don't set up this uh, postal, like if you don't deliver 6,000 letters in Smearensburg in one year then I will kick you out on the streets and leave you to be homeless. It's like, okay. So, what a guy. so he goes off to Smearensburg, which is like this really miserable village where everyone just attacks each other all day. The Crum and the uh, Ellingbows. Um, and he has to try and deliver letters uh, but obviously no one uses the postage system. And he basically finds this guy called Klaus who lives in a log cabin by himself. Uh, and then they end up delivering presents to the children because then the children can write letters so that he can get a chance to go home. And then, etc, etc, he becomes Santa. Klaus, I mean. Yeah, Basically. Yeah, yeah. There is, like, I can't... The fact that I couldn't be bothered to explain all the plot points, I didn't realise how much... I guess there's quite a lot of plot points, maybe. Yeah. I, I guess there are. It, but the thing is, though, it's quite a... It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's quite a stereotypical story. It follows, like, pretty much the story arc that a lot of stuff does, and especially a lot of Christmas films, you know, are like... Someone who's a bit selfish at the start, they meet someone who has a, a tragic backstory, which in this case was just mm. the death of his his wife. Um, they were gonna have children, who he made loads of toys for. He uh, he doesn't want to g 
get involved with something, but the protagonist changes his mind. Uh, then they they do some stuff, but then oh no, there's the there's the <laughs> climax where the protagonist has to go back or go back to his selfish ways, and he chooses not to. And then they all live happily ever after because family and love and mm. Christmas. Well, I mean, I think at the same time, I'd say that yeah, it's sort of I was subvert just... a lot of the Christmas film yeah. conventions, and it like tries to retell a lot of the traditions that a lot of um, Christmas films just sort of treat in the same way. So I'd say in that way, it's quite unique. I felt. Yeah, I was going to say that actually, um, it's probably one of the most unique. Christmas films I've seen because actually I mean Klaus is never actually selfish I get that the Jesper's like character arc is fairly standard yeah one of the things that I found was interesting was that um, it never actually used magic but it felt like a really magical film so Mm, yeah it's it's one that actually kind of understood Christmas more than a lot of other Christmas films where the kind of like magical feeling is all just from like people you know giving toys or just doing uh general acts of goodwill which always spark another or whatever the quote is that they say um and it's kind of about you know that the magic that comes from it is like the imagination of the kids as they see whatever's uh happening you know like them ramping off a, a like mountain and like crashing in a sleigh that that's how they decide that the sleigh is magical and can fly and stuff like that yeah so i i think it's interesting in that it it's fairly grounded while also having this kind of like um tim burton feel i wonder i wonder if it felt like that just because of its like setting where it's in it's all mainly in one place um and the town feels like very tim burtony yeah i mean something i quite liked the fact that it's like drawing on traditions and stuff and like this feud and conflict between these two sides of the people in the village is like only really based on tradition it's like derived from past generations and like the conflict between relatives so i think that is almost some sort of it's almost meant to represent like christmas in its own way just uh to do with like uh, um traditions and then like uh unity that comes together somewhat inadvertently um later on in the film yeah you th- wait you think the Tradition was the Christmas. What? Well, <laughs> this is an interesting thing. I, no, cause I thought it. I thought it was kind of like saying, it was like you know going against tradition if it's a bit like weird, <laughs> or like it doesn't really help anyone. Yeah. That. Um. Yeah, like. I don't. Know, I don't know how to describe it, but in a weird way also like getting used to change because the <laughs> the two families don't obviously don't actually hate each other because they call a truce to then 
so that they can start the fighting amongst themselves again, which is like, <laughs> what are the? <laughs> it's like, well, uh, there may be a bit of a problem with your feud here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was a an interesting plot point, but yeah, I thought I thought it was all cool. Like the the feud is also helpful for like the setting of the tone. I think that's where all the Tim Burton feel comes from. Is like at the start where it's a darker tone with like um. You know the the battle bell, and they all like fight each other, and there's all the the creepy kids, like one of them walking forwards with a carrot that look like they're about to murder someone in cold blood or something. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but there's a a lot of like little gags it does that um like it really suits the animated style. So like thinking of the the battle bell scene when he goes into the school like i remember the teacher getting ready in the pose for when something hits and then like things start falling down and she was already ready to catch it uh yeah. that was like a little gag i liked and the one of like the elling bows when they were making all those letters to deliver it was just one of the big ones with like their tongue was just sticking out so they could swipe the uh envelopes on the tongue yeah <laughs> just like little stupid gags like that i <laughs> i did enjoy um i mean so it's I think... like a kid's film but then at the same time it does have some pretty well not necessarily mature themes but it just makes i think it's definitely more thought-provoking than your typical christmas film yeah they like even the some of the jokes are as well like i remember one of my favorite jokes is from the boatman probably the best character <laughs> when uh when Jesper's like going, being taken home right at the end of the film, and then the boatman says something like, "Oh, I sure hope that it doesn't fester and become a a source of resentment and regret." Or something. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was probably my favourite line. Should we and talk about like some of the, the bo- actual characters within the film? Because yeah, kind of, I kind of like the. The idea with the postman, um, it always seemed like he he was doing something that like was genuinely good, um, but he he had like questionable motives and he was very like self centered and, um, but I I did quite like his like redemption arc later on in the film. Mm. Yeah, I, I did. I just liked all the general stuff to do with the postmans as well, like the opening scene in the. Postman Academy with all the kind of letters and stuff flying around. Yeah, uh, I like that. And yeah, his character was cool. Like he he does because he does kind of have a point at the start of his. It's his dad like forcing him into every opportunity, and things. Um, and then when he says the line of saying that everyone, uh, he he says something about like everyone has a has something to get out of something that they do you know if it seems kind mm. and what what he's actually referring to is himself delivering the presents just so he can get back to like his pampered life and things like um i thought that it was interesting that they did it where he felt that because like he was guilty of his own selfishness but because he was selfish he then assumed like everyone else was so couldn't really trust yeah. people. 
Yeah, yeah. I quite like that. And like when you see the the characterization of the teacher who at the start is like similar to him to an extent. She's uh yeah. come to Smearensburg and she's like saving up money to get away, but then she sort of reinvests all that to um redo the school and think of the children. Uh and yeah. then I guess that's kind of similar to the postman who he always has this incentive of return to this privileged life, but it it's sort of like an empty life. He has genuine happiness um with the relationship he builds up with Klaus and the other people in the village. So he mm. doesn't he like he has this idealized view of the home he'll be returning back to, which isn't necessarily any better than the life he's leading. Yeah. What? Is that the same theme as Room? <laughs> Whoa. No Because <laughs> they're identical um, films. One, okay, one thing that it was driving me crazy the whole time. The the, the, the teacher, right, that works at a school, and she starts selling fish. Is that in... School of Fish, is that intentional? Was that... <laughs> I was like, are they ever going to... Is that the joke? Is that why... <laughs> I was like, because when it said school on the front and she sold fish, I was like, oh, is the joke going to be it's called school because it's school of fish? But no, it was like actually a school. <laughs> and I was so confused. <laughs> what do you think? I'm, well, I'm not someone <laughs> that helped in development of this film. Uh, not <laughs> yeah. something I necessarily thought about. Um, it's not. No. I'm just, no. I just wasn't no smart way. enough to no, pick up on it. Someone decided to do that. They could have made her sell anything, have any job on the side, but they chose fish. I mean, come on. <laughs> right, well, I'm going to say that joke. it's the school of fish joke, rather it's than just joke. getting to see her, like, chop fish up on a desk it's for a joke. no reason. <laughs> joke. Um, And then, obviously, the character of Klaus. He, his story arc well his character arc is like him opening up because he's presented as like really reclusive at the start and um i guess he's self-centered to a different in a different way but uh you start to find out it's because of his wife's death which i know ben was saying that's like quite a, um quite a predictable uh like christmas story arc and i there are degrees of this that um, you've definitely seen before, but uh, I actually really liked this character because he was able to do quite a lot without actually having much dialogue at all. Yeah, yeah. definitely. When I was saying it's like uh, quite predictable, um, I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it's a solid yeah, formula, yeah. and obviously they're like bringing a new perspective to it. Uh, yeah, and I thought. Klaus especially worked very well. Um, who was who's it voiced him? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, the lad, the the Spider Man boy, and the Whiplash boy. I'm the Spider Man boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the um, Bojack Horseman boy, and the uh, Legend of Korra boy. Is he? Is he in Legend of Korra? Yeah, he's Tenzin, isn't it? Uh, I've not seen Legend of Korra. <laughs> Do it now. I'm yeah, pretty sure I recommend it. Yeah, I know it's on Netflix. It. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. I'm so annoyed about that. Mm. Anyway, back to Klaus. You're so annoyed that you uh, definitely didn't pirate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like a month um, before it went on Netflix. That's why <laughs> they sh- they should have like back to clouds. They do have a coming soon if that's what you were gonna <laughs> complain about. Yeah, but I, it, it's it's not my fault. I didn't check it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Netflix> is <laughs> um. But I did like that. Um, the fact that he's like building these bird houses to as a reminder of his wife and um there's obviously that scene near the end when he's like i think it was quite a a unique portrayal of his death rather than just showing him dying he's sort of like joining his wife yeah yeah the the ending was very unique and i guess it links back to sort of you were saying it's sort of magic without magic because you know one into yeah. At face value, it's, you know, Klaus, I don't know, sort of becomes Santa and everything, and kind of becomes the, the legend that you associate with Christmas now with, like, the flying reindeer and all that. But I think it was more, it meant as, like, Klaus ended up dying, but his legend lived on because other people sort of took over and carried on his legacy. So... When he, mm. I think the last night of the film is like, um, once a year I get to meet my friend. It's like the Jasper's always reminded of him because that's the legacy that he helped build. How helps Klaus build? That's 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 actually that's a better interpretation of what I thought because I was kind of annoyed at the end. I was like, what magic is just real now? But <laughs> it makes sense that it's like a a legacy of like gift giving and inspired by klaus yeah that i think that's cool yeah and like with the the swirling like wind i think i think that was just kind of like to show that the wife was like sort of in his memory and stuff it wasn't like explicitly like her spirit being there i think it was just a more sort of metaphorical approach to because when like the wind's moving and he walks off into the distance that's sort of like saying his time's come and he's he's dying Mm. but uh in a wholesome christmasy way yeah we need to talk about the most iconic character in this though margu (laughs) yeah oh um (laughs) She was voiced um, by someone that didn't speak any English. Apparently, yeah. the director went all the way to Norway to do her whole recording session, which was through translation and mimicry. So, Damn. <laughs> well done, that that girl, I guess, and also <laughs> Sergio Pablos. Um, <laughs> I wonder what the Norwegians think. think. What what do you think that was? Because obviously a big theme was like communication in this because that's what all the letters are about and, you know, the town doesn't deliver any letters because they don't actually talk to each other and just assume they hate each other. Well, that's incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> so having Margu, who is from, like, it's it's a tribe, I guess, of, of I think they're called the Sami or something. Um that don't speak English, that's kind of, I guess that's more, like, even more playing into the communication theme. Yeah, 
because it's like he can't well she might not be able to understand him he definitely can't understand her but she's a, a really good listener and sort of affects his character a lot because um, mm. in the end you know I think she was one of the reasons he ended up staying because like obviously he brought so much joy into the town and stopped the feud between most of them but like it was probably just like seeing her joy and like her happiness that when uh, him and Klaus bring her the the boat and I think that's that was a turning point for his character. So yeah, and the fact that she was there when he was like venting and trying to work out his own motives and frustrations, but yeah. she didn't like judge him. He he just she was just there listening, and that's kind of what the rest of the town should have been doing amongst themselves. <laughs> yeah, and also the fact that like that the. the they sort of lived quite a um, stripped back lifestyle. Um, and he was like, at the start, he was really emphasizing that, oh, you must bring a penny. His main motive was trying to get back to his life and um, trying to make some form of a profit. Uh, but he's able to see like the genuine happiness that you're able to get, even if uh, you don't necessarily have that much. Yeah. Mm. Should we talk about the animation? I feel like we have to address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, so the the animation like style is really interesting. It's it is like I think it is hand drawn, but it's um it's 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 weird. Okay, so basically they do do hand drawn animation, but they also have like CGI lighting. Uh, apparently this is the first traditionally hand-drawn animated movie to make use of volumetric lighting and texturing to give it a more 3D look. Oh, so it uh, was mainly hand-drawn then? Yeah. Nice. So that's why it's got like such... What what I really liked was like the colours. It's quite... Yeah. Uh, when they first get there, it's all greys and things like that. And then it gradually gets brighter and it's kind of like... And it's not like really saturated colors. They they feel quite soft and comforting. I've no idea how, but <laughs> that's the vibe I got. And I know that they do like really clever things with like when he first for the design of Smearensburg, they they use loads of sharp angles and triangles to make it look, uh, you know, uninviting and unfriendly. But for the log cabin it's more like round edges so it's supposed to be seen as you know nicer and friendlier by contrast so a lot of care obviously went into this film um in fact is it possible it may have like taken 10 years to make from what i've seen um it, it was definitely a um passion project because uh it, it the director had worked on like so he worked on the 90s disney films or some of them you know like aladdin and uh tarzan uh, and he set up his own animation studio and wanted to make a new traditionally animated film because uh you know a lot a lot of 
animated films now switch to uh, computer animation, which is fine, but it's kind of it would be quite sad to see the death of uh, 2D animation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like it's it's interesting to see stuff like this, which has like its own unique uh, feel. So it's still got that traditional animation, but also the uh, CGI lighting. I mean, it, yeah, I think definitely with the animation, it somehow made me feel like a sense of nostalgia, even though this film literally came out last year, and that's when I watched it. But um, yeah, um, but just in terms of the color. I think there was one scene that really stood out to me, which was when, like, the postman's dad had come back and was and, and saying, "Oh, well, well done. You've um, sort of filled the quota, and you can come back home." And then there's like a, um, the teacher, and like the the well, not necessarily Klaus because he's wearing like the red robes, but like all the people surrounding them, they all gone back to looking very grey and dark, like how they originally were yeah and then there's like the the sunlight coming through which like might be showing that turning point that sense of enlightenment for him like kind of realizing that he has to stay and like he's he's contributed to the rebuilding of this society and like that's the crucial moment when he realizes that um he doesn't necessarily want to return to that old life so i think as you were saying, the colour for me was a really big standout. But also just with the animation, I liked how different characters almost like move differently. So there was just that one person who like threw um threw stuff on the other on the neighbor's washing line and like she she had this really weird way of walking and like Klaus mm. I felt sort of move differently and it really helped to like have distinct characters um just to based on the animation alone yeah i think that animation is interesting because like everything that's on screen was put there on purpose yeah so i know that's like a lot of people will only watch animation because they feel like it's the highest form of film because of that that everything is deliberate which I can appreciate, um, and that's why animated films always feel so like um, kind of loving in a way because the animators have to really enjoy what they're doing. And there's like, if you look through the list of animators, there's so many, and you know you've got to have supervisors for each of the characters or the main characters. I think there's definitely a supervisor for Klaus, Alva, Jesper, and Margu, uh, just to make sure that you know these characters are perfect in every scene and it's so much dedication goes into animation it's it is really impressive so i feel like the you are right about the uh, sunrise thing because there's it it couldn't have happened by accident yeah well there's no room for mistakes in most animated stuff yeah yeah um and the, i mean it's just the anime it's just great just seeing it like even if you don't really care about the plot like it's just looking at the animation it, it's all these like soft brushstroke kind of looking stuff and i i don't know how to explain it but you'll just enjoy seeing it and what just confused me about this film is that they 
they started shopping it around in 2015 in April 2015 and it got turned down by loads of studios because it was too risky <laughs> I don't know why it was too risky if it's like the origin story thing or well, something what, that I, what it is. I thought could potentially be a bit controversial is that it almost seems to remove any sense of like the religious side of Christmas and it's sort of the implication is that these traditions were were formed um around these characters i mean it doesn't really have any overt comment either way so it's sort of a bit ambiguous whether um like there was any sense of a christian christmas beforehand but i, I guess that could potentially be controversial yeah I mean, it does mention a christmas because that's what they're like oh we can deliver all the presents for christmas yeah but but yeah I maybe i don't know it's because it's it's just more like about the theme of the joy of giving, which is like really early on when you see Klaus give like his first toy. That's like a really emotional scene. Um, but I think it was only picked up by Netflix in like 2017. I yeah. mean, it shows you how long it takes for films to get made <laughs> and for companies to actually release it or studios pick them up. <laughs> Thanks for the input, Ben. <laughs> I'm like tired. Uh, I mean, what did you think of the music? Much... What? Are... Oh, I was just what... about to say that. Yeah. yeah. I I I didn't know what I thought of like having. There was a song. It was in like one of the emotional climaxes. It was kind of like a pop song. I did. I didn't. I just didn't like it having vocals. I don't know why. Yeah, I felt I feel like it would have, like it was a bit too. It felt a bit out of place. I can't really place what was wrong with it, because you know that like a lot of other Christmas films in their emotional climaxes also have like pop songs with vocals in them. Um, mm. Like I don't yeah. know, just off the top of my head, like the snowman has "Walking in the Air" and stuff, and like, uh, lots of other ones have songs that are written for the movies like that, but. I don't know, it just felt like this one, it just didn't fit. Maybe it was the style? I don't know. But Yeah, I was going to say, like, the animation and just the way of the storytelling seems very stylized, but then the music... It, well, not all the time. I, I think the music, I like to say, often with the soundtrack, it served its purpose. And I think at times it was, like, it was quite cathartic and emotional, but um, I think it was just a bit too generic compared to the 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 rest of the film which seemed very unique and um stylized yeah yeah and i remember there was one like one of the gags that didn't hit was when he told that kid about like the naughty list and then he walks in and there's like a song of like don't mess with the postman or something I'm like okay <laughs> oh yeah i was <laughs> that felt like... a bit cheesy <laughs> i was just like okay right <laughs> you do your thing yeah no thanks <laughs> Whatever that was, uh, there's mainly though like I th I did think a lot of the comedy worked. I I still remember a few of the jokes, like um when when he's on the boat, uh, still the boatman, still my favorite character, <laughs> and he's like 
is the weather all, always like this? It's like, oh, well, we've got a bit of a heat wave at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I, I, did, I did like a lot of the humour, and I'm going to still assume that the school of fish, that was the joke. I'm, I'm still going with that. I don't care what anyone says. Sure. Uh, there's just also like some other subtle explanations of little things to do with Christmas. Like, uh, you mentioned the thing about like the sleigh and the reindeer and stuff like that, but then also like the lump of coal and the yeah. naughty list and stuff and how the stockings Santa's always watching. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, I like that the stockings was like because he, <laughs> he was too scared to actually come out of the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, unique there's... way where it kind of takes Christmas traditions and puts a different spin on them. Like, most of them were just complete accidents or, like, spur-of-the-moment decisions. Like, the the mm. whole flying reindeer thing is this... the They've, like, uh, flown off a, a cliff or something, and they're just, like, falling. Uh but obviously, like the the kids see this and they start to like imagine more and create this legend, which like becomes Santa in the end. So, yeah. yeah, a different take. Whereas a lot of other like sad to origin stories seek to like use magic or something and say like take e- and take everything at face value. Like you know, he he finds magical flying reindeer or something but um this was very different and i really liked that about it it was a a breath of fresh air yeah then no, i i didn't particularly like that i understand that it was meant to be like really exaggerated and um like the feud in the town was just meant to be so not motivated by anything and it was meant to be the the children who were sort of resisting it and not really understanding why um they weren't allowed to play together or whatever but i did just feel like the the two families were just incredibly evil and hostile for no real reason and like just the i don't think it did a great job of like explaining why um why they were like trying to get rid of him like i understand i know that like it was just based on this tradition that was meant to be like potentially a bit inexplicable but um i did just sort of feel like they were too evil almost Mm. but it's only like a minor thing yeah i I guess that's what you get for it being a kid's film (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's like it's it's good it's unique but it's at at its heart it's a kid's film and it does need to kind of uh make the the bad guys a lot more explicitly bad yeah i suppose just to just for the sake of kids watching which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just uh, it gets a bit tiring if you watch a lot of kids' films in a row, which I can't mm. say I do. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, because I think that was definitely very different with like um the main characters who definitely had some sort of development and uh they were a lot more complex. So I think they it just stood out that they seemed very one dimensional. Hmm. Yeah. 
Groovy. Um, <laughs> Groovy. We mentioned that this, well, we haven't mentioned, but this was uh, nominated for the Best Animated Film Oscar, but it didn't actually win. It was went to Toy Story 4. And yeah. well, I personally enjoyed this one, Toy Story 4. I forgot it even existed, if I'm being honest. Toy Story 4? So I, I, I saw it at the cinema. I did like Toy Story 4. Uh, I, I just have to decide whether it's better than this. I can't remember. I remember it having, like, quite a mature theme, although I can't remember what that was. Maybe I'm just thinking of, like, the fork wanting to kill itself or whatever. <laughs> um... Yeah, maybe I did think this was better because just because the Toy Story characters now, like it's been like over twenty years since the first Toy Story came out. I think, um, and it's just kind of like I don't know. It's Toy Toy Story Four. I thought was good, but the characters now are feeling kind of tired. Yeah, the problem yeah, is when oh, that plays into it because people were like. They weren't necessarily expecting it to be very good. Yeah. So when it is good, people are like, "Whoa, this is really good," <laughs> and it's not necessarily. Even I've just noticed it was nominated alongside "I Lost My Body," which I did really like. I think I recommended it one week. Yeah, that's an, that's another Netflix film. I feel like maybe alongside "Missing Link," what people cared about that film? <laughs> what is that good? Oh, I don't know. I feel I feel like probably. I lost my body. Should have won, but whatever. Yeah. Maybe not many animated films came out in twenty nineteen. Oh, yeah. Or is it twenty twenty? Does it count for ninety second Academy Awards? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I feel like I lost my body. Should have won. Maybe. I think I like that more than this. More than Klaus, possibly. We'll see. Yeah. When we give our ratings, which will we do now? Any, do anything else to say? Anything extra? Uh, By the way, Smearensburg is based on a real place called Smearensburg, or at least the name is. Oh, they added an S. How creative. If you wanted to know, it was a deliberate misspelling. They didn't actually just misspell it. <laughs> Don't know if you cared about that. <laughs> I did, actually. You did? Oh, yeah, that's Ollie good. was the one who named Wait, it. someone to notice it. Yeah, I named it. I was actually Ooh. quite upset that no one had pointed it out. But Oh, did you know that it was originally planned for the Sami people to speak English, but it was later changed and they only speak, spoke in their native language? Well, of course I did. Do you want me to read more IMDb trivia? No. <laughs> I quite like that they were meant to, like, <laughs> they started to represent, like, Santa's elves. That was, like, another one of those... Oh yeah, little yeah. Little <laughs> explanations. Did you notice how they changed the, the, <laughs> just one thing? They changed the original like thing that Klaus says is, a true selfless act always sparks another, and then later on they're saying that the quote is, a true act of goodwill always sparks another. I didn't notice that. I'm pretty that. sure. No. I'm. I. I thought it was uh, a true selfless act, like right up to the end. I swear they say start saying goodwill. Look at the transcript. Am I just insane? Can I not actually? I mean, look at the I'm pretty <laughs> the, sure it was selfless act. But I remember. Uh, let me see. 
<laughs> reading the whole okay. script. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mm, I swear it said goodwill at the end because that I was like, I'm sure. Because I remember when it came up, I was like, I swear it said selfless at the start. But now you're saying it only said selfless. <sighs> How am I supposed to find this without watching the whole film? <laughs> Watch the whole film a again. True, <gasps> see a true act of goodwill. It comes up as well. Oh, I, 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 I spoiled the yes. film. Then. That's like dropping my rating. Yes, you. It's been spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel? Well, I think I'm gonna have to give it like a four now. <laughs> no, no, don't be so hard on yourself just because like you see, exactly you said produced it. Was... it. You said it was too risky because of the religious stuff, but it's on the, the there's a thing on the Christian Post saying that Klaus highlights biblical values. Mm. So I guess oh, maybe yeah. all those other studios were just stupid. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just I mean, I guess it's Christian values rather than like yeah uh, the Christian story because yeah. But I mean, is Elf the Christian story? <laughs> You're saying it isn't. Elf is word for word Leviticus. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> right. Cool. <laughs> I love how I chose Leviticus as the Bible book. <laughs> yes. Right, okay. Why not? So, let's... Give an overview and then our ratings. Okay. So it's you can follow to... along with this at our website, entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com, which is now getting regularly yeah. updated. As if that wasn't. Like, I was waiting for Ooh. Ben to do the plug. That's why I wasn't carrying on. The bare minimum requirement. <laughs> I was waiting for the website plug. <laughs> yeah, you can go onto the Hall of Fame section. And it will take you to a link with the every rating in order, as to which we're now going to use with all 33, f uh, well, films and, well, no, 30 films and three TV shows we've done. Nice. So, uh... <laughs> so, uh... I'm, well, I'm trying to work out, because I, I really enjoyed films, it. But, uh... Um, to those, maybe. This is our fourth animated film. We've done Fantasia, Does that mean that now? Heavy metal and nine. That means now there's going to be. Uh, you can't just be an animated film to be in the best animated film <sighs> on the whole of thing. So you're basically Damn. saying heavy metal's going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, heavy metal. Um, it's our lowest rated film that we didn't do because it was a bad film. That's, that's not a good. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm trying to think, wow, I gave Fantasia quite high. I'm trying to think, because Fantasia was, like, really groundbreaking. And I'm trying to think what Fantasia? I enjoyed more. Because Fantasia is kind of a completely different experience. Oh, I got Fantasia um, even higher than you. Yeah. Um, How wacky is that? Maybe I'd put it on, like, the same level. What, what, I'm, just, I'm just checking all the other... What, what I've given everything else. Um, 
Hmm. It might take a while. I know this is this is difficult for me. I'll probably rate it maybe a tiny bit. I'm just gonna be. I'm seven point five. I'm just being boring. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Sorry, fellas. Seven point. What did I give Black Panther? Seven point four. Uh. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'll go seven point five as well. Yo. What will Ollie give I'm it? Give it a little bit higher. <gasps> give it a ten. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, you're not, allowed to do that. Ever? <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. It's your own film. You're biasing the results. Yeah. No, wait. You're not allowed to go higher than 8.5. No, but they changed it to goodwill, so it's going to have to cut down to four. No, I'll go somewhere in the middle of 7.7. I thought you meant in the middle of the two 7.5s. <laughs> well, I was just like, wait, what? That is what I meant. 7.7 is in between 7.5 and 7.5. Yeah, obviously. of course it is. That gives a total rating of 7.6. Damn. Well done, Klaus. Pretty groovy. Congratulations, Crack Klaus. Special. Yeah. It's slightly so better than our Halloween it. special. <laughs> Slenderman. Ooh. Yeah, just a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't have any submission spotlights today, but <gasps> next week we <gasps> may. I'm not going to say anything more than we may because if we forget again, then. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are a creator and have some work that you'd like us to look at and give some ratings on uh give some feedback uh we'd love to have you on the podcast and talk about that or even we don't have to have you on the podcast we can just uh talk about it just send it in just send a link to it via the contact form on our website or dm us on twitter or instagram both of which are both of which are at ev podcast uh or i guess just leave a comment somewhere we'll we'll find it uh, we'd love to look at your stuff. We've done a couple before, but we'd like to make it a regular thing, so please send in your work. Thank you. Now it's time for recommendations. It is. Tom, you're on a roll with the remembering the submission spotlight. Well done. I know. I was actually going to say, but then Ben went ahead and did it. Yeah, I have to steal your thunder. <laughs> I know, because I know I have to say it every week to get uh, my food from Ben and Ollie. <laughs> You're ration. Yeah, otherwise I have to go hungry for a week. But isn't that that film? Well, we tell did? the viewers. Dude, oh, isn't that, were you going to say, isn't that that film? Yeah. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> okay. Uh, recommendations. I've got one. Shall I say it? Yeah. Yes. Cool. If it's good, uh, then we might give you like, a few extra rations. You have week. permission to <gasps> speak. Really? Luckily, it is good. Okay. Um, I watched it's The Departed. I watched The Departed by Martin Scorsese, which is like a gangster undercover cop 
film. Uh, it's two and a half hours, but that like flew by. It was. It felt. It's like the pace is like bam, 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 bam. You know, <laughs> it's really entertaining. Great characters. Like Scorsese is always really good with like having these vibrant settings and uh, like characters that feel real and like you can actually know them. And it's got quite a unique story from what I can remember from like other films. Uh, and it's just it's just really enjoyable. Lots of twists and turns uh, and a very impactful ending. Uh, and great use of music, as Scorsese is known for. It feels like there are a lot of things that when I was watching, I was like, oh, that's very like Goodfellas-esque, which is a, a good thing because Goodfellas is like my favourite gangster movie. It's above The Godfather in my humble opinion. But maybe... Maybe I didn't appreciate The Godfather's filmmaking or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, The Departed is a, a really, really enjoyable watch. Uh, I think it's it's on Prime, or I watched it on Prime, so go watch it. Lol. And it's got Louis from Kangaroo Jack. It does have Louis from Kangaroo Jack. The original, so that, or The Good Day USA. The original. I was Oops. watching it, and I was like, is that Louis from Kangaroo Jack? <laughs> and it was... I was so happy. <laughs> and uh, and do you know who else it's got in it? Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg from Mile 22. Mark Wahlberg, he was in a... <laughs> but they're actually both really good at it, and I was like, wow, cool. Maybe they just need to pick good films sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it is really good. So watch it. Or else... Or else Tom will not get any more rations and will no longer have a special <laughs> guest. Do you think that was a worthy recommendation, Ben? Or I'm going to have to reduce the rations I think I'll let again? him pass, but I'm not giving him any extras. <gasps> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So. Do you have any recommendations? Hmm. So, you know what it says in the description? Uh... You're going to have to tune in to find out if Ben has a recommendation or not. Here's the moment of truth. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I do not. <gasps> no! Oh, <laughs> oh, no! I've just been watching oh, The Clone that... Wars a lot recently, and that I'm pretty sure so someone's brutal. already said that. <laughs> no, you've not so brutal. Why don't oh. you just give a few thoughts on The Clone Wars? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, we've, been, we've been naughty this year. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't get any Ben recommendation. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say a couple quick words about the Clone Wars. So there's seven seasons of it. The first couple, like okay, they're pretty much like isolated episodes. There are a couple of arcs, but most of them are just like one-off battles and stuff, which is like fun to watch. Um, but if it wasn't for the later seasons, I'm not sure I'd watch again. Because from like season three onwards, it gets a lot better, and there's a lot more arcs, um, multi-episode arcs with like more time spent developing characters and stuff. Um, and I also like the fact that it doesn't necessarily focus around one character all the time, because like obviously like Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka are like the main characters that people have come back to the most, but you get a lot of 
you get some with just clone troopers. You get some with other Jedi. You get some with uh, like Padme and the senators. Um, so you're constantly Jar-Jar. like getting a groovy overview of everything that's happening uh, in the Clone Wars. And then like recently, I'd... so the last three seasons are definitely the best. Um, season seven came out like pretty recently. Um, and the last arc of that kind of goes alongside, it happens at the same time as Revenge of the Sith. And so I did this thing where I watched them both at the same time, which is about like four hours long, uh, if you have that time. I wouldn't necessarily make say it makes it any better watching them at the same time, but it is cool and it does highlight how well they kind of link in together um and also just a couple of things like the fact that grievous and uh anakin never actually duel in the clone wars um is good because that means that the f- when they first meet in revenge of the sith which is obviously like um many years before the clone wars even started then uh oh the clone wars series was ever made sorry rather than chronologically in the story it's it's good that they kept that continuity and stuff so yeah they and the last arc is really good and it's a lot darker um and i would highly recommend it so you've kind of got a recommendation there even though we've been bullying <gasps> tom to watch it for weeks <laughs> he got a few rations when he started yeah whenever he finishes a season he gets two rations. <laughs> two I mean, rations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought season six was really good as well because it like sets up a lot to do with all the sixty six with like the cipher DS stuff and then the well I won't give too much away but yeah um... <laughs> it really helps smooth out like the sort of jump between uh, episode two and episode three. Um, and a lot of the questions that kind of just come with episode three, like, you know, why did all of the clones just immediately turn? Uh, it kind of goes into that. Um, and But I, I don't really get why, like, season six is, is sick, but then in the middle there's just, like, a Jar Jar arc. Oh. Admittedly, it's probably one of the best Jar Jar arcs, but, you know, that's relative. Yeah. And then season <laughs> seven, the middle episodes are also, like, some of the worst, like the Ahsoka stuff. Like, isn't like um the the last arc of season five with us is probably my favorite uh, Ahsoka arc. Oh um, yeah. So like that character, like Ahsoka's a really good character in the show, but like her in the the first few seasons, and then in those episodes in season seven, it's just like kind of annoying. Yeah, she kind of gets on your nerves a little bit. And you're not as like attached to her, given that she wasn't in any of the films. Because like, uh, you know, if like Anakin gets a little bit annoying, you can kind of fall back on the fact that you know he's the main character of the prequels and one of the main characters of uh, the the Clone Wars and stuff. But like, Ahsoka's completely new, and like, you obviously don't have as much attachment to her. But yeah, season yeah. F- the end of season five was great. Um, there are a few. No spoilers. I've just started season five. 
Yeah, no rushes also, like, for you, the, the penultimate arc in that season's sick as well with the um, like the Mandalore stuff. Yeah, I love the old Mandalore episodes. Yeah. <laughs> See. Um, and uh, the Ponkrell and Umbara arc's pretty epic as well. Have you seen that one, Tom? Ponkrell? What's that, that guy that looks like that De- Dexter Lester? Like, yeah. The, the Jedi that what? The Jedi looks like Dexter, Dexter Lester. Oh, yeah, yeah, that that's in season four, right? Yeah. Yeah, that bit's great. I like Umbara. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I love the, those episodes are really good. I love the really dark stories like that. That kind yeah. of stand out a bit. Yeah, I think my favourite was the finale of season four. So from what I've seen so far, I've seen uh, in series five, I've seen episodes one and two. And I think the finale what of season it's the second Darth Maul episode. So oh, um, yeah. it's what is it? Uh, it's when Obi Wan like starts Ventress that weird snake that like leads Savage to find Darth Maul. Mm. Uh, no, that's the one yeah, just before. Yeah, twenty one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spoilers: Darth Maul <laughs> returns, and he's. A really what? good villain. <laughs> I like the fact that he he He's was great. explored a lot rather than just episode one. He was of like a Phantom Menace. He was just there, just kind of a one dimensional like villain. Yeah, he's got my favorite uh, villain voice so far in the Clone Wars because it's more like the cool, calm voice that is like scarier to me. Yeah. Yeah. Something weird. How come, like, in season six onwards, well, mainly just season six, they start only referring to Dooku as Lord Tyrannus? I just found that really weird. Do they? I mean, they do, but I guess that kind of makes sense because um, in episode two, they knew that there were two Sith. um, uh, And they knew that someone was called Tyrannus. And by the, like, season six of. The Clone Wars, they're starting to put the pieces together. So, yeah. You know, and uh, apparently the, like, there was going to be another story where they, like, almost find out who Palpatine, like, Palpatine is Sidious and stuff. There's there's a lot of, the, like, close encounters with him almost being oh, found the, out. The pal- there's not much of it, but the Palpatine stuff in the Clone Wars is sick. Yeah. But- <laughs> He's probably got one of my favourite scenes, but I won't say what it is. Ooh. <laughs> Put plus thoughts on okay. the Clone Wars in the title of the stream. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Star Wars, uh, The Mandalorian just wrapped up as well, season two. It did. Which was pretty cool. I've just very cool. season one. No, season two seems season... a lot better, but it's like it a, wins. a lot more fan servicing. Yeah, but guess who the fans are that are being serviced? <laughs> Buzz. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So, yeah. Oh, I'm fine with fan service. Yeah. Do you we enjoy being serviced, Ollie? Do. Whoa. Yeah. By you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, Alright, a, a brief recommendation from me. Cause we're on, running out of time a bit, but... um. I watched uh, Whiplash. Speaking of J.K. Simmons, who's in this, he's oh yeah, kind of doing yeah. that, and I thought it was really good. It's 
basically about like this drummer who goes to this um music college and this is really uh this teacher with questionable um behaviors and like he tries to almost like justify it and um you can just see that he's constantly manipulating him and forcing him into doing really extreme things uh but like the the tension that they create especially in like the final scene um is like some some of the best I've seen in any film I'd say mm. um so yeah watch whiplash groovy groovy well that's do we have any comments in the chat no unfortunately we don't we had a few last week but we've only had one listener listening consistently and they haven't left any comments that's sad to be fair last last um week's episode was also really successful on podcast platforms though so maybe maybe we'll get a lot of listens then who knows yeah so um our Halloween episode did really well um, and stuff so we decided to, well what was about that that what was it about that that went really well uh, no not our Halloween episode I'm so stupid our kangaroo Jack episode oh just before we do that I think we actually do have something in the chat do we actually <gasps> what I mean I'm just guessing Definitely no one I know on me. Oh yeah, <laughs> who is Skilldozer One Two Three? Never heard of them. Who could it be? What are we doing next week? Wow. Wait, I, is I the Christmas remember. Bob playing right now? No. That's <laughs> why I, I, I can hear it. <laughs> what? Right, so. Before we move on to Christmas Pop next week, we're doing... Is it called Left Behind? Yes. So, watch that. This is amazing. Really good. <laughs> Our last episode of the year. Yeah. Damn. It's kind of cool. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Tune in next week for the last episode of the year. Um, and... Yeah. I was going to say something else, but I've <laughs> yeah. forgotten. So we'll just so leave it. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. All right, see you. All right, All right see, see you. See you.